Well, Westover, good morning, everyone, and it's great to be back. I have been gone for a couple months overseas, extending your heart and extending Westover's hands in so many uh, significant areas. And if you'll allow me today, I'd like to give you a brief report and celebrate what your generosity and your love is doing around the world. Uh, Denise and I had the privilege just a few weeks back, it was in August, we took a group of 13 people with us to uh, Tanzania, uh, they're in Africa, and I'm going to invite them to bring some pictures up on the screen, and I'm going to, if I can, just relate it here, you'll see in the picture here, uh, this is the team that we took to your to your far uh, to your far right is our missionary there. Uh, that is Sam Johnson in the middle. Uh, that's Doctor and Token Bali and his wife. He was with us a few months back. There I am. And to your uh, far uh, left, that's Aunt B. She was with me as well. Okay. And then the rest of our team. We had a great time there in in Tanzania. The the next clip is, uh, is a worship service we were in, and I, I just wanted you to catch the flavor of Tanzania worship. Go ahead. All of our high school, you're in the making of becoming a Tanzanian, I will tell you. You would fit. You would fit in Tanzania. Oh, it was an incredible time. Now, while we were there, there was one church service I attended, one church service I attended that was 12 hours long. Don't you dare get upset if I go over 12 minutes, okay? One service was 12. I was in one service longer than some of you have been in church all year long. That's the truth. That's the truth. Uh, I mean, it was a marathon service. It was uh, it just full, full of life. The, the next uh, picture that you see there is a service I was speaking in. Uh, that's uh, myself, my wife, and I. we took our granddaughter, Alexis, with us there. The building that you see, it, it's filled with 6,000 Africans, okay? 6,000 people in a, in a building that seats 5,000, okay? Uh, that building that you see, Westover, you built it. The largest Assemblies of God facility in the country of Tanzania, Westover and one church partnered together, and we provided the funds to build that building right there. I was, I was a part of the planning, and I was there when they were building it, and I told them Westover will be a part, and Westover would have a significant part. And that building, thank you, Westover, for your generosity. The next picture is the ordination service we were in there in Africa. And everyone in a white suit there, over 500 African pastors are being ordained into the ministry. And it is a tradition that the night that they're ordained for them to wear a white suit and a red shirt. 500 Tanzanian uh, ministers coming together 
And I had the privilege of walking among them and laying hands on them and praying the ordination prayer over many of them. It was a marvelous, powerful service that we enjoyed there. And because of that facility, because of what we're doing, because of our encouragement, can I tell you, there is a great revival, a great move of God in the country of Tanzania. The next picture that you're going to see, I was at the dedication of a facility that we helped build, and I'll show that to you in just a moment. But a Tanzanian pastor recognized me and stepped forward and said, Pastor Jim, do you remember me? And I remembered him. About 10 years ago, I was in, I was in Tanzania, and we were visiting churches out in the villages in the brush area. And we came to this one church, and the walls were about four feet high. All around the parameter of the church, there was no foundation. The walls had not been completed, and there was no roof on this building that would seat about 200 people. So they were just meeting out in the weather. And uh, I asked the pastor, what does it take to finish your building? And I talked to the missionary, and what they were needing was $15,000 to complete it. Well, I want you to know, Westover, we jumped in, and we paid for him to be able to finish his church building. I was there. This is some 10, 12 years later. He saw me in the crowd. He stepped forward. He said, Pastor Jim, you helped me. Your church helped me finish my building. Be sure to thank them for me. So I bring his greeting and his thank and his appreciation to you. While I was there, I shook his hand, got a picture, and I slipped a $100 bill in his hand to just encourage him. What is a $100 bill in, in Tanzania currency? It's about three months' pay. And I just encouraged him and said, Pastor, be blessed. The next picture you see is a training center. Our team visited one, and this is one of the training centers that we raised money to build. I've shared that with you this year. And this year we raised $75,000 to build a training center. For you see in Tanzania, the pastors don't have cars. They don't have motorcycles. They'd be fortunate to even have a bicycle. And all throughout the country of Tanzania, transportation, logistics is a challenge. And if, if ministry is not accessible to them, training is not accessible to these pastors, they can't get it. So what they've done, the Assemblies of God have gone out throughout the country and built training centers that are close by where it's easy for pastors to come and they come for a week of training. The next picture you're going to see here, we stepped into the classroom and there was somebody training and they were teaching from the New Testament book of Philippians while we were there. We asked them a question, where do you stay when you're there for the week? And there was a classroom next door there uh, in the same building, just kind of next door. And there were on the floor, there were sometimes there was a piece of foam. Sometimes there was just a blanket or, or, or a, 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 a pallet or something that they have. And they were sleeping on a concrete floor, eating there, living there for a week in order to get training to go back and to be able to preach and teach and lead their churches. And we, were, we had the privilege of financing, of paying for one of these training centers. Um, the next 
picture you're going to see is the reason that we went to Tanzania, and that is the African Continental Theological Seminary. It's a, six, it's a five, six-story building that was built there. I was in the planning session several years back in Tanzania, and they were expressing the need for, for people who train pastors to get additional education, not just in Tanzania, for the whole continent of Africa, that they could raise up African teachers in Bible schools that could train Africans uh, there throughout the, con- throughout the continent. And they said they needed a seminary in order to train the leaders of leaders. And in that formative meeting, Westover, we were the first church to pledge to this project. We, I asked them, what will it cost? And they said, it's $100,000 per floor. Westover, we were the first church to say, we'll take a floor. I was in that formative meeting. Now I went back this year for the dedication of the Uh, African Continental Theological Seminary. It would be a beautiful building in any country. And now it is serving the entire continent of Africa. The next picture there is a church that we visited. No, this is not a garage. This is not a place to put put an animal in. This is not a place to, to store equipment. This is a church. This is one of the brush churches out there, and there was a congregation meeting in this little place. I want you to notice to the right the branches of a tree. Do you see that? Just to the right. The church started meeting under the tree, and then finally they built this building right here. And then the church outgrew it, and the next picture is the church building that now stands there. This building is right in front of the little brush hut church there. And now there's a thriving congregation in a village there where they can come and worship in a comfortable facility when it's in the rain season or the wind is blowing out of the elements. This church enjoys and has a beautiful facility. While I was there, we were looking around at the church and we were we were celebrating with the people, we stepped inside of this church building, and I'm going to ask them to show the next picture now. There was a little girl, this little darling, and I want you to know where she's at because I'm going to connect it in just a moment. She was standing right there at the threshold, and I noticed as I was in the building, this little girl was there at the threshold, so I, I kind of very, very discreetly, I stepped out. I took a picture. I watched her for a little bit. This little girl is blind. She can't see. I'm not sure if she can even speak. I was never able to really determine, does she have auditory? Can she have, does she have verbal skills? I'm not sure. But I noticed something. that she can walk, but she walked in a squatting position the way you see her. She would put her hands forward and then she would pivot the torso of her body forward. Not because she couldn't stand, but because she couldn't see. And she didn't know if there was a tree or a steps or rocks or somebody in front of her. So she would reach out and her fingertips are her eyes. 
and she would reach out, and if there was nothing in front of her, she would then swing the torso of her body forward. And this little girl was there, and I found out something else. I found out this little darling here is fed two meals a day because of Convoy of Hope. Next week, we're going to invite you to give a one-day offering, one day that will feed the world. The invitation will be, would you give one day's wages in order to feed the world every day? Would you make the sacrifice of saying, I'm going to work one day a year so I can feed the world? This little girl has two meals because of Convoy of Hope. This little girl, this little girl has very little. And I think having two meals a day is not asking too much in her behalf. We had a wonderful trip to Africa. And I want to thank you, Westover, for all that you're doing in the country of Africa. Now I want to take you another part of the world. I flew back to the United States, and just a few days later I got on a plane and flew the other direction, and I went to Malaysia. I spent 30 days in Malaysia, and I preached 45 times. It was Sunday every day for me. 45 times in 30 days I preached. The churches in Malaysia are just now opening up after covid they are right now where the United States was back at the end of 2000. They have been in the lockdown. A few months ago, they could only have as many as 20 people at a time together. In fact, right before I arrived in the country, the, the, the government relaxed some of the regulations. And then while I was there, the government relaxed some more regulations that we didn't have to have a mask on all the time. And they are just now coming out of lockdown. The churches right now, their attendance is 30% of what it was before COVID. They've seen a decrease of 70% because of the lockdown of over two years. Their offerings are down, their attendance is down. And I was on a Zoom call several months ago and I received an invitation to go to Malaysia. And I asked them, what do you need? And the group of pastors saying, Pastor Jim, I'll tell you right now, we need help opening up. We, we need help getting our churches going again. And our pastors and our people are so discouraged. Our attendance is down and our offerings are down. What can you do? I said, I'm going to come and give you a month. You book me anywhere you want to go. I'll go to the largest, the smallest churches. It does not matter. I will pay my plane fare, and here's my only requirement. You can't give me an offering. I'm not coming to get. I'm going to come to give, and I'll give you a month of my time, and I'll speak, be there to invest in you. Westover, you were gracious. You bought my plane ticket. I personally paid for my hotel rooms for an entire month. 
The church there was so gracious, they picked up all of our meals, my meals while I was there. At one point, about three-fourths of my time there, a group of pastors got together and they said, we, we, we've got to do something for Pastor Jim. So they, they took up one offering. I told them to not do it. They took up an offering, and there was about 2000 uh, Malaysia dollars that came in, and they came and they brought it to me. And I said, I didn't come to get an offering. Here's what I'm going to do. I put 200 U.S. dollars in it. And I said, I'm not going to take the offering. I want you to find a pastor that is so discouraged right now. And he has gone through the toughest time. And I want this offering to go to him. They told me two days later, they had a pastor that his, his, his attendance has not come back. He's not receiving any pay. And he was so discouraged. And they were giving that offering to him and blessing him. Additionally, the next picture you see, they invited me to speak at the Assemblies of God District Ordination Service. And this is the church service I was in. The next picture is the same as well. And uh, I was there, and I spoke to uh, the ordination candidates. Now, I have spoken before, and I've had it interpreted into Spanish. When I was in Africa, they interpreted it into Swahili. This is the first time that I ever preached, and they interpreted it into uh, uh, Chinese. Uh, so I had a Chinese interpreter with me because some of the Malaysian pastors, the only language they speak is Chinese. And I had an opportunity to encourage them. I will tell you what, we, I really believe we left the church encouraged. Every church I went to, here's what they told me. Pastor, you're the first guest speaker we've had in three years. I did altar calls. One pastor said that's the first altar call we could have in three years. Thank you for bringing it because the government had just relaxed requirements that week. The following Sunday, I was able to give an altar call. And people from side to side lined up and came forward. It was just a wonderful, special time. With that in mind, I'm going to take just a few moments and share with you and connect with this a message. And I want to speak today on the thought, love is generous. Love is generous. If you have your Westover app, you can open it. You can open your Bibles as well. In the New Testament book of 1 John, 1 John chapter 4, verse 14 through 17. I'm going to read these four verses, but if you'll allow me as I read them, I'm going to reflect on them just a little bit. And then I have one thought I want to deposit in our heart today, one thought. But allow me as I read to just reflect on a few things. 1 John chapter 4, verse number 14, it says, We have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. That's the reason I went to Africa. That's the reason I went to Malaysia. That's the reason I planted a church in San Antonio. That's the reason Westover uh, hills exist. That's the reason we do all that we do. Why? It's because God sent his one and only son to be the savior of the world. 
There is no other means of salvation. We are not one of many options. The only Savior for the world, his name is Jesus. He died on the cross, and he wants to save people of all backgrounds, colors, uh, cultures. Uh, doesn't matter the invitation of John three sixteen. Whosoever, whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord. That's why we do what we do here at Westover, verse 15. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them, and they live in God. Isn't that good to know? It doesn't say anyone that attends an Assemblies of God church, anyone that has church member, anyone that reads a certain version of the Bible, anyone that does this, anyone that does that. No, it says that anyone that acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they live in God. Salvation is all about Jesus. It's all about knowing the Savior of the world. And the Bible says how we cross the threshold of salvation is we acknowledge Jesus. Now this word acknowledge in verse number 15 doesn't mean a shallow, a capricious acknowledgement. It doesn't mean, oh yes, I, I kind of believe that stuff. I don't know that I believe everything in the Bible or I don't, don't know if I understand all the Bible, but, but I believe there's a higher power. I believe, I'm a spiritual person. I believe there is a God. No, that doesn't satisfy it. The Bible says you have to acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God. And this word acknowledge doesn't mean just a shallow kind of a, a, a mental assent to it. It actually means you make a quality decision. And that quality decision follows through with an acknowledgement of a step of living and, an, and, an, and a step of alignment to God's desire and God's heart. When I was leaving the United States to go to Malaysia, I flew from San Antonio and I, I flew to San Francisco and I was catching a flight from San Francisco to Japan and then eventually Japan down into Malaysia. Because I was flying through the country of Japan, there are COVID uh, protocols that I had to adhere to. And before I could get my boarding pass at the airport, I had to read a screen and it said at the bottom, I acknowledge it. And I had to touch on the touch screen uh, with my finger the acknowledgement that I acknowledge. And it says that I couldn't do this and I couldn't do that. And one of the acknowledgements was, the requirements was, that on the flight into Japan, you had to wear a mask all the time. And if you were not willing to comply by that, you would not get your boarding pass. So I touch it and I acknowledge. That's what it says. I acknowledge. I don't just acknowledge and then get on the plane and say, oh, it doesn't matter. I have the liberty. I'm an American. I can do whatever I want. No, the moment I acknowledge it, I have to comply by what I acknowledge. And sure enough, on the 13, 14-hour flight all the way to Japan, I was required, as was every other passenger in the plane, to wear a mask. Here's what I'm trying to say. When you make the acknowledgement that Jesus is God's son, you make the acknowledgement to say not only 
only do I give a mental assent to it, that I will live the way that God wants me to live. I'm going to live a life that acknowledges Jesus. I will live a life that honors the Lord. I will live a life that pleases God. It's not going to be something that I just say and then I do whatever I want the rest of the time. Acknowledgement is saying, I'm going to follow the Lord and I'm going to serve God with all of my heart. Verse number 16 and following. And so we both know and rely. I believe many of us know the Lord. Many of us know the love of God, but not all of us rely on the love of God. In the last few weeks, maybe even this week, something came and you wondered if God would see you through. You questioned whether God will help you in your situation, in your dilemma. You don't feel like you deserve it. You don't feel like that, 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 you, that you will see God's hand in your life. You, 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 you know God loves you, but you don't rely on God's love. You, you make faulty decisions, sometimes unhealthy decisions, and sometimes insecure decisions. Some of us are hanging on to a relationship that is unhealthy and God doesn't want. Why? Because we don't rely that God can help us and get us beyond that, and we become codependent to that because we're just not sure that God would really bring blessings and security in our life otherwise, so we hold on to things we shouldn't hold on to. But I'm here to invite you. You can not only know the love of God, you can rely on the love of God. You can rely on God's love in your life. Verse 17, this is how love is made complete among us so that we have confidence on the day of judgment. He's going to bring it down. How, how is it that you walk in the love of God? How is it that you can know the love of God? How is it that you can rely on the love of God? Here it is succinctly. Here's the bottom line. In this world, we are like Jesus. Oh, I like that. In this world, we are like Jesus. And here's what he's saying. You need to live like Jesus and you need to love like Jesus. That's what it brings it down to. In your life, you need to live like Jesus and you need to love like Jesus Don't post anything on social media that Jesus wouldn't post. Don't go any place that Jesus wouldn't go. Don't get involved in things that Jesus wouldn't get involved in. We need to live like Jesus, and we need to love like Jesus. Whatever Jesus would do, that is our measuring. That's how we follow. And the Bible says that's how we live in God's love, and God's God's love lives in us. And for us to do that, here's my one and only point today. Love crosses a threshold. Love crosses a threshold. In every one of our lives, there will be a threshold you have to cross. There's a bold, ambitious step you take. There's a place where you have to do something awesome, extraordinary, and astounding. You have to come to the place as saying, I am here, but I am willing to cross the threshold in order to go all in with God. You see, love crosses the threshold. You say you love God. You want God's love in you. You you know God's love. You want to rely on God's love. Then you have to cross the threshold. Every one of us in our life at some point, the gospel, the, the purpose of God is going to require us to cross a threshold. I remember that Denise and I, we had to cross the threshold 
We were raised in New Mexico. We felt the call of God to ministry in our life. We had never been anywhere else, but we felt like God was calling us to Bible school, and there was a Bible school in Texas we were going to go to. So we packed up everything we owned, which was very little, and we drove, and we came to this thing called the border of Texas, and it says, Welcome to Texas. But the moment you cross, the moment you cross into Texas, there was a sign that says you're leaving New Mexico. Some of us, we need, to move, we need to leave something in order to enter into something. What's your threshold? What's the thing the Holy Spirit has been talking to you about for the last year, the last few months? What's the, what's the thing inside of you, the hunch the Holy Spirit has been prompting you? What has the Holy Spirit been talking to you about in your conscience, in your life? What threshold is God saying you need to cross? Then a few years later, 1986... Denise and I would have to cross another threshold. We decided we were going to plant a church in northwest San Antonio. And we've had the privilege of pastoring this church for 36 years. But when we went there and we decided that we were going to plant the church, it cost us everything. We sold everything we had. We borrowed money against anything we could borrow money for. We put our whole heart, we put everything into it. We had to cross a threshold. You see, every time God speaks to you, there's a threshold. Some of us, God's talking to us about a threshold of lining our relationship up with God. We're in a cohabitation situation, and, and God will never bless a cohabitation situation. It's time to bring that relationship under the covering of marriage and honor God. It's time to make things right with God. It's bringing that business under God's, under God's rulership. It's young adult, it's saying that God has the right to lead you, that you submit your, your decisions on career path, you, you submit your future decisions to the Lord, and you cross a threshold and you say, God, I won't do anything that will cost my relationship with you. For some of us, it's the threshold of tithing. Oh, we have been around and we talked about it, we've heard about it, and we've had the mental argument and you've Googled it and you found the articles that disagree with you. But the thing is, is you've never found the word of God to agree with you on that area when it says that we must honor the Lord with the tithe and it's time to cross the threshold of tithing. What threshold? What threshold? Can I remind you again? I thought it was significant that little girl was at a threshold. You see, somebody to feed her is going to have to cross that threshold. Next week, we're going to ask you. We're going to ask you in your one-day offering to cross the threshold. Could you give one day's wages to feed the poor of the world? Denise and I made a commitment years ago. We don't just do a day. Denise and I do one week to feed the world. We give a week's salary every year to feed the poor. Because we just, we feel like that's what God requires of us. In your life, there is a threshold God's asking you to cross. Here's some time back. I was not in San Antonio. I was out of San Antonio. And I had business to do, business for ministry, business for the church to do. And I was going to a meeting. And I felt like the Lord would be pleased if I have a cup of coffee. So I decided I would have my coffee. I believe God would be in that. 
I don't want cream in my coffee. I don't, I don't want sugar in my coffee. I want coffee, that dark, bold taste, that rich taste. Oh, I enjoy that deep roast coffee. The aro- I even smell it now. Mm. The, the roast, that coffee, just it's, it's wonderful. And I was going to my meeting, and I was not in San Antonio, and I, 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 I saw a sign, and there was the Starbucks that said drive through So I pulled in the drive through and I went through the drive through lane, and I told the attendant at the window, I want, a, I want a large decaf Americano, no room, just fill it all the way up. I was in the line, and I pulled up, and I rolled down the window to pay for my coffee, And this is what the attendant said. The car in front of you just paid for your coffee. What? And I'm I'm quickly saying, why would they do that? And then I'm thinking, you know, I know a few pastors and missionaries here in town, but I'm not in San Antonio, and I'm out of my, did they see me in the rearview mirror? Who knows me? Who would pay for my coffee and, and, and I'm, my mind is racing all these thoughts. Just it, It's like just buzzing. Who, who would pay for my coffee? I thanked her, and I got the coffee, and I drove off, and I'm about a half a mile away, and it hit me. It hit me. It was one of those pay-it-forward moments. Have you ever heard that? on the news where they're going through and a fast food line or something and it goes to 60 and 80 and sometimes 120. This person pays for the next one and this person pays for the next one and this person pays for the next one. That's what I was in. Guess who stopped it? <laughs> Have you ever wondered who was the one guy after 120 that, that would be the Scrooge, the, the blockhead that wouldn't continue it. Da-da! I was that blockhead. I didn't get it. I drove off and I stopped it. I stopped it. Ah! Here's my point. Here's my point. Don't stop the blessing. There's a threshold. There's a threshold, and God's asked you to cross a threshold. I'm so glad I crossed the threshold to come to Texas. You see, today, see, today, I told Denise the other day I don't have any family left. I buried my parents, and I buried both of my brothers. I told her the day, I said, I don't have any family left. I have you. You're my family. I'm so glad I crossed that threshold. I'm so glad I crossed that threshold. I'm glad I crossed the threshold to plant a church because I can tell you now, I've pastored here for 37 years. I'm 63 years old, and my life exceeds my dreams. Wow. God's been so good to me. Why? I crossed the threshold. I'm so glad I crossed that threshold. And I want you, I invite you, cross that threshold.
Let, let's be generous in love. I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. When you choose to give through Convoy of Hope, together we are accomplishing the mission of Matthew 25. Your gift teaches and encourages good stewardship while fueling the fire of generosity in the DNA of your church. Convoy of Hope has been a trusted partner of the church for many years, working alongside the church and local communities to bring lasting practical and spiritual impact. There are children who will eat tomorrow because your ministry gave through one day to feed the world. Would you stand together with me? Thank you. Thank you for being so attentive. And my thank you does not seem big enough for what you have done around the, around the world. In your giving, you have wrapped God's arms around and fed little kids and made a difference. Thank you for what you've done. Father, I bless this great congregation, how they've opened their heart and through our outreach and through one day to feed the world, we've extended the heart of God to others. And I pray this week we will have a sensitivity and an awareness that next week we can do it again. We can come in together and in a very significant way we can feed the poor. I bless these fine families. I, I just speak your goodness and your peace and your, your favor upon them. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, Denise, and I love you.